0: Uh, beloved congregation of our great God and Savior. Back in the 70s and 80s, there was, and that's the uh, era in which I grew up, there was a singer, a folk singer named James Taylor. Maybe some of us as older men might uh, be familiar. And uh, one of his songs was You've Got a Friend. And uh, a very haunting melody, a lot of nice lyrics. Um, and uh, a lot of people, you know, became the favorite song of a lot of people. And, and part of the uh, the, the, the lyrics of that song is, uh, it would go something like this, winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is call and I'll be there, right? You've got a friend, right? And, and a lot of people thought of this and thought, well, yeah, that's the kind of friend that, that really describes a friend. In reality, um, we, you know, we have many people we call friends, but, um, you know, uh, is, it, is it really true that you can call this person winter, spring, summer, or fall, and they will actually leave what they're doing, uh, leave their busy lives, whatever they're uh, struggling with and, and stressing out with at the moment to run to help you? Not, not necessarily. Very, very few, do we, uh, a few times in life do we encounter such people. On the, in contrast, this morning, our text reminds us of the greatest friendship that we can ever have. And someone we can absolutely and totally rely on at every point in our lives. And that person is none other than Jesus, the Son of God. And we're reminded in Proverbs 18.24, and this is a description of, of none other than Jesus, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And... Uh, one of the things we have to understand, especially in our day, because we're very quick to call people our friends. We meet somebody for the first time, and the next time we, uh, we see that person, we describe him as, oh yeah, this is a friend of mine. You know, uh, meaning an acquaintance really, somebody we've met. But a, a friend, uh, by definition, is, is someone as uh, the, as the, the uh, writer of Proverbs describes here. Someone who sticks closer than a brother, right? In fact, the Hebrew word, That is translated friend, is actually derived, it could be traced all the way back to the root word, which is love. Okay? And so, and I point this out simply to show that a friend is is not a word to be casually used of anyone, right? We certainly will have friends that we will count uh, very, very close to us, friends we care very, very deeply about, um, friends we love dearly. Uh, who's willing to put up with, with our little quirks and, and shortcomings, and, and they're willing to put up with ours, but not everybody can be classified really as friend a, a friend. Uh, in this life, we can have many acquaintances, but very few friends. Friends who will, as as they say, ride the trail with us, and who stand by us, who will stand by us when others may walk away or walk by. Uh, think about it. Most of the so-called friends that we have on on. Facebook and and, uh, Instagram and Snapchat aren't really friends by, if you think of the real definition, right? The friend being described here in Proverbs 18 verse 24 um, describes the person who we might say uh, goes the extra mile for you. And he or she here is compared to a brother. They stick closer than a brother. Now we understand that. We understand that analogy. Brothers are bonded to us. Um, but simple, the simple fact of biology, we shared a womb or we grew up in the same house if it's a stepbrother. Uh, now, brothers we know can be, can be pests, which little sister has not grown up without a spider in their hair, right? And, and uh, get the brother finds ways to, to annoy. Uh, we so, so we understand that. But the thing about brothers is that when the chips are down, they will be there for you, right? They, they stick by you. Um, they will defend you. They will never stand by, they, they will never stand by and, and, and see you taken advantage of. They rejoice in your joy and they are saddened by your sadness. Brothers can be great friends. We all know that. But, again, we live in a sinful world. And so as strong as the loyalty of a brother is, there can be circumstances that can cause siblings um, to have a distance between them for one reason or another. Uh, we might do something or say something to uh, uh, alienate them, to push them away, to, to hurt their feelings to such an extent that they say, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're not going to stay or live, even live, physically live close by. It's possible to do something so bad that they can separate themselves from us. It, it's rare. I'll give you that. But it, it is possible. We find that even in the Bible, don't we? Joseph and his brothers right? Uh, same father, and yet uh, they, were, um, they, they hated him. They were jealous of him. They even sold him to the Midianites at one point. We see it in Jacob and Esau, you know, in the, in the battle for the blessing, and so on. And, and at one point, Esau says he's going to wait until his father dies, and then he's going to kill his brother, right? Even the Lord Jesus, it's recorded that his own siblings were not supportive of him at first, and they questioned whether he was uh, the Messiah, Uh, But the inspired author of Proverbs here tells us of a friend that sticks closer than even a brother. And the rest of the Bible, and we heard this in John 15, uh, this is pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, And this morning we want to be reminded of the unique and unchanging friendship of Jesus toward us. And, And we want to see what this means for us. And so as we take some time this morning to contemplate Proverbs 15, verse 24, we want to summarize what we hear uh, hear there with this theme. We friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of that friendship. We friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of that friendship. We'll see two points this morning. In the first place, we'll see that Jesus loves us unconditionally. And in the second place, we'll see that He loves us faithfully. But as we friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of his friendship, we see in the first place that Jesus loves us unconditionally. In other words, Jesus does not put any requirements or conditions on his friendship with us. If we think of, of normal friendships, usually it's based on certain things. We share common interests, right? Maybe the same sense of humor, Right? But not everybody uh, can, we will consider our friend because not everybody you know, will maybe meet our standard as such. Uh, sometimes we come from the same background. We speak a, a similar language or we run in the same circles. we're the same age, maybe share a certain hobby. Right? Or uh, you can have f- friends like that of the prodigal son who flocked to him merely because he had money to spend on them. And you know what happened when that money was gone, right? So were the friends. Sometimes we can call someone friend because it's to our mutual benefit. Maybe we do business together. Or they have something you need and you have something they need. As we say, one hand washes the other. But the friendship of Jesus, and that's the point we're making. The The friendship of Jesus is unconditional. We don't have to meet Some standard. He doesn't require that we are in a certain class of people. He he doesn't require that we have a certain educational level. It's not a matter of how we dress or how we look. How outgoing we are. How secure we are about ourselves. Jesus takes us to be his friends as we are. In In fact, to dig a little deeper... Romans 5, verses 6 to 8 tells us that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, while we still were ungodly. So Jesus didn't wait for us to attain a certain measure of of righteousness or holiness. He didn't wait for us to accept his invitation. In fact, Isaiah 53, verse 3 reminds us that Jesus was actually despised and rejected by men. Truth be told, left to ourselves, we would have no use for Jesus. If he was like some genie who could rain down cash upon us or put us in a sweet ride or or make us more cool or something, then maybe, maybe we would give him a second look. But Jesus, of course, doesn't promise these things. He promises salvation. And that's not all that appealing to unregenerate human beings. And yet Jesus takes us to be his own anyway. He doesn't doesn't make us earn his friendship. He didn't sit back and say, okay, so you want to follow me? Then wow me, impress me, show me why I should be friends with you. In fact, during the ministry of Jesus, the three short years of his ministry, who did Jesus mingle with and mix with? The simple and the common people. One of them a tax collector, many of them fishermen, simple, common men and people. His heart went out to the lepers, immoral women, widows, people who were uh, at the bottom of the, the social ladder. He wasn't impressed, we remember, by those who thought of themselves as righteous, you know, the super religious and the super educated Jesus ate with the despised. In fact, they called him. You remember in Matthew 11 verse 19, a friend of what? Sinners. That was his nickname. He says to his disciples in John 15 verse 16, as we heard, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Well, why did he choose them? Well, for the same reason he chose us. Because of his grace and mercy. And so it's never about us earning God's friendship. Which, by the way, if we want to go that way, about earning God's friendship, we have to realize that that, is, that would be an insurmountable problem. That would be a mountain that we could not cross. Because which of us could say that we have been good enough? And remember, God's standard would be absolute perfection. 100% obedience, 100% of the time. Does not grade on a curve. And which of us would say that we could live like that, that we, we have been good enough, or we could be good enough, and that we can show God such dedication, such faithfulness, such unwavering loyalty that it would be no surprise that He is friends with us. Of course not. We could not say that, well, it's because of my lineage or my cultural background, uh, my efforts, my net worth. Suddenly, no Christian would say such things or even think such, such things. And you know, it's good to be reminded of this because we all have that sinful tendency to begin to find our assurance in the fact that I'm doing all the right things. Right? We, we all have that sinful tendency in us to begin to think in, in very subtle ways and we maybe don't say it out loud, but we begin to think, well, hmm, I go to the right church. I sing from the right hymnal. I read from the right Bible. I give to the offering causes. You know? oh, and, and by the way, these are all good things. They're necessary things for the Christian life. We're not to, to rest upon these things or lean upon these things or think that, that, that we um, make ourselves of more worth to Jesus when we do these things. We do, do these things out of thankfulness and to praise our God. Right? And we have to remember that salvation is not by, by customs or habits alone but by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. At the end of the day, all of us must confess with David in 2 Samuel 7, verse 18, Who am I, Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Every truly converted child of God. Truly converted. We were left amazed at God's friendship. Friendship. And we confess with David in Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? When we come to Christ truly and the the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and we understand that we of all people have become the beloved of God, we're left with nothing else but to put our hands, as Job did, put your hand over your mouth. We can only stand in amazement and surprise, sometimes even shock. In fact, whatever conditions there were for us to be friends with Jesus were not met by us because they cannot be. And here's the the amazing thing. The conditions for us to be friends with God were met actually by Jesus. Because to have friendship with God, to have peace between us and Him restored, um, we needed things to be made right. We needed reconciliation. The Bible speaks of us being alienated from God, strangers to Him. And what brought that separation, of course, what brought that enmity between us and our Heavenly Father, our Creator, was our sin. Our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the Garden of Eden, and we come into this world bearing the guilt of that sin, and then there are the actual sins that we commit every day in thought, word, and deed. Every one of us, we break God's commandments. We don't love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And the consequences of that, the Bible tells us, the the wages of sin is death. Physical death and eternal death in hell. Good news is that this friend Jesus, who sticks closer than a brother, he has suffered these things for us. He laid down his life for his friends. As he said in John 15, he met the conditions whereby peace could be restored between us and God. That is, he bore our sins upon himself on the cross. He took our punishment upon himself. He died our death, and then he rose again to show that he had conquered sin and death. And he did this for us, beloved of God. Let's be reminded. While we still hated him, while we were still his enemies, while we were still quite content to live for ourselves. He did this for us when we would never have made a single step in his direction. And that's why we say his friendship, his love for us is unconditional. And beloved of God, we need to be careful then. That we don't hesitate from coming to Jesus or embracing Jesus because we're still looking at ourselves and what we can do to earn that friendship with Jesus. Perhaps we're still denying ourselves the the overwhelming joy of being friends with Jesus because we're still looking at ourselves and saying, I'm not worthy. I haven't done enough yet. You know, by the way, before I was a Christian, so, I can tell you this from personal experience, but there's a, a lie out there that the world believes, a false idea, that the church is only for good people. And, and what we need to do is correct them. Because when they, when they come into church, then they realize how false that is. And we need to be telling people, you know, we're here in this place every Sunday, not because we're good, not because we think we're good, but because we know we're bad. Very, very bad. We come to worship because it's just a tiny way of saying to Jesus, thank you, dear friend. Thank you for loving a wretched sinner like me. Thank you for giving to me what I certainly could not have earned. And we need to be reminding the world as we, as we talk to others that you know, the only condition for being a friend of Jesus is accepting that his love is unconditional. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking for some reason, I can't come to Jesus, I can't be a friend of God, you know, let this passage this morning and even John 15 remind us of how wrong that is. You know, sometimes we always we, we have the tendency to think, uh, yeah, I know this is true and the church teaches this and I, I don't doubt that it's true for some people, but I personally could never be a, Chris, a Christian. I'm not good enough. People don't know the the, the wrongs that I've done to the point where I believe God could never forgive me. Maybe he can forgive other people, but he can't forgive me. Beloved, that's a lie that comes from the bowels of hell. Jesus came to give his life for sinners like you and me. He came to lay down his life for his friends, as we heard in John 15. And so this morning, if there's any hesitation in you, accept his hand of friendship. Because in Jesus, you will find a friend who sticks closer than a brother. But as we friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of his friendship, we also want to see in the second place that Jesus loves us faithfully. By this we mean that Jesus will never, ever waver in his friendship to us, the way uh, friends that we have uh, among human friends will waver. The word uh, that's translated sticks, actually, and uh, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, is actually the same word that we hear in Genesis 2, verse 24, where we hear a man will leave his father and mother and be joined or cleave to stick to his wife. Or we hear the, the same word in Ruth chapter 1 verse 14 of Ruth clinging or cleaving, sticking to her mother-in-law. She latched on to her and she would not let her go. And perhaps the best example of this uh, this word is, is uh, 2 Samuel 20 verse 2 where we read that the men of Judah, and it's translated this way uh, in our uh, ESVs, they followed steadfastly after David. Same word that means sticks to, cleave to. They stuck to him. When all the other tribes had turned against him and they were ready to stone David. That's the kind of friend that we have in Jesus. That's how he's described. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will always stand by us. His love for us far exceeds even the love of our own brother from our mother's womb. Whom, as we said, may just walk away from us or abandon us when we've gone too far or done things too many times. One of the truths that we learn in life, and it doesn't take us long to to get to know this, is that trusting in man will always bring disappointment at some point. Uh, We know this of ourselves as well too because we have, ourselves have let others down. And others have let us down. We ourselves have dropped the ball when people were depending on us. We've had the same thing done to us. Friends, we thought, would have our backs. What happened when the chips were down? When we got ourselves in some kind of a, a really difficult, uh, difficult time? they scattered in our time of great, greatest need. Maybe you've said this to somebody, or you've said this, and if you... If you haven't, then you certainly will someday. And that's, again, a reminder never to put your trust completely in, in man. But, you know, we, all of us at some point, we say the sad words. I thought he was my friend. Right? And we say it with great sadness because we expected more from that person. And they turned on us or turned from us in our time of need. Even Jesus experienced this. If you read the gospel. These same disciples that he speaks to in our passage in John. Whom he calls friends. He says you are my friends. He says I've confided in you. Right. I'm laying down my life for you. These same friends would leave Jesus in his most trying hour. Matthew records in chapter 26 verse 56 of his gospel. That when Jesus was arrested. All the disciples forsook him and fled. Peter. One of the inner circle denied even knowing Jesus three times to save his own skin. I don't know about you, but you know, if I'm I'd like to think that the people I'm fighting for actually appreciates what I'm doing for me and would, would stick around at least for moral support, right? Well, Jesus in his darkest moment found himself alone. But that's not the point. The the point is that he, in spite of this, he remained loyal to his friends. That's you and me. Think about it. When they came and they arrested Jesus and they bound him and they led him off to stand before the religious leaders, Jesus allowed them to do it. When he could have called, and he says this, he could have called upon his father and legions of angels would have come to his rescue and been at his disposal. When they struck Jesus on the head with rods and they spat into his face and they slapped him, he didn't call it quits. He kept going. When they whipped him with a whip that historians say tore the flesh right down to the bone and then they put a coarse robe on his lacerated back when they pressed a crown made of thorns into the flesh of his forehead, when pagan soldiers bowed down in front of him and mocked, worshipped him, Jesus held on to his mission to save us. He stuck to us closer than a brother. When he stood before an earthly judge, an earthly judge passing sentence upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of creation, Jesus did not object. When they laid upon his back the cross upon which he would be crucified, and they made him carry it to the place of execution. When they hammered nails into his hands and feet, and before his eyes they gambled for his clothes, and thieves crucified with him mocked him. And the people he came to save passed by, and they shook their heads at him in derision. Jesus never said, stop, enough, that's it, I'm done. These people are just not worth it. As Jesus suffered hellish anguish on the cross, bearing our sins, the sins of the whole world, for that moment in time, you realize, for that moment of time, he was the most accursed, wretched creature there ever was. And yet, Jesus never turned his back on us. He went all the way to death until he could say, It is finished. And he gave up his spirit. For who? For sinners like you and me. That's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, congregation, let this be. Comfort and a consolation to you today. Because remember that if Jesus suffered all of that for you. And he didn't cut us loose. Why can we ever think. Why should we ever think that that Jesus would ever be disloyal to us now. Ever in our lives. He has called us his friends. And, And that's not something that he just throws out. He's very serious about it. Jesus will never abandon us. If we have believed in Him, never, ever are we to think that we can become the enemies of God again. It's just not possible. Even even we can't undo what Jesus has done. Jesus does not break promises. He does not take back what He gives. He loves us faithfully. And so, this is good to remember. Because as long as we live on this earth there will be times when we've done or said or thought awful things heinous things abominable things we're all going to have those moments when we when we think back on it we are ashamed and those moments when we think oh you know i've finally done it i've crossed the line i've put myself out of favor with god permanently in those times, think again. We heard in John 15, Jesus say to us, as the Father loves, has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Think about that. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Why would Jesus say that if it were possible for him to stop loving us? Jesus compares the love that he has for us With the same love that the Father loves Him. And we understand that that love is unchanging, unflinching, unfailing, unswerving. It is with the same consistent love that Jesus loves us. And so we may abide in Him. We may stay close to Him. We may remain in Him. We may live in Him. Perhaps this morning as we sit here, our minds maybe can go to some kind of hostility, stress, challenge, some kind of obstruction that you're facing in your life right now. Here's what this passage tells us this morning. As a believer, whatever you're going through, whatever it may be, you can count on Jesus to be at your side, to comfort you, to direct you, to guide you. He will never abandon you He will never leave you feeling lonely. He will never let you you fight your battles on your own. Instead, the one who has called us his friends will always be near to encourage us, to lift us up, to help us in our time of need. Think about it. How many Christians over the centuries can say amen to this, to this promise of God in Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. How many Christians over the centuries can say amen to that? Beloved, when we are in a relationship with Jesus, we will experience that sense of comfort in our day-to-day lives. Because he is walking alongside of us. Ask any Christian. Who was backslidden for a time. And they will affirm this. I may have turned my back on God. But God never turned his back on me. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than the brother. If this describes you this morning. If, if perhaps for some reason you've, you've drift, you, you find yourself drifting away. Or have drifted away. Know this. Know this. If you repent and you return to God, you will not find a grimace and a frown and a locked door. You will always, always find, as a child of God and a believer in Jesus, you will find forgiving arms waving to welcome you home. And so, congregation, cherish the friendships that you do have. But at the same time, and more importantly, know that Jesus is the truest Most reliable friend that we can ever have in this life. He is our trusted companion through all the trials of life. We can go to him always. We can talk to him about anything. And we will find understanding. We will find patience. Jesus will never get tired of us. Jesus will never be ashamed of us. He will never stop loving us. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen.